Hello, this is Bill Lytell again from some wisdom for your walk. I have been uh, asked recently about meditation. What is meditation? The title of this little uh, podcast. What is meditation? Well, in Psalm 119, uh, David says in verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Meditation has been defined a lot of different ways, a lot of nuances in its definition. I hope today to be able to kind of give you a kind of a strange definition, off the wall definition that will may help you understand what really meditation is. Uh, David talks about uh, meditating on thy law day and night and having having the Word of God in his mind all the time. How, how does one do that? How, how do you do it? Some people try to do a mechanical schedule. Like, you know, seven times a day David prays God. Did he set a clock? Did he have, uh, you know, he started like the Muslims five times a day pray. They started at 4.30 in the morning. Do you do that and have the alarm go off and say, okay, now I'm going to praise God for five minutes? Or How do you do that? Well, most of the time that is just too mechanical and becomes dry and dead and unnatural. And God's not looking for a robot in which to, to uh, just to hear some sound from him or from you. He's looking for, he's looking for someone that will come from your heart. It'll be something that you uh, can't and don't want to think about anything else but God and the Word of God and the things of God. How does one get to that point? Well, with my whole heart of I saw that, I think that's part of it, is that first of all, the intention of the individual needs to be, God, I want you to be number one in my life. I want you to be absolutely the mainstay of my life. Meditation really can only be accomplished the way the Bible wants it to be by folks who have God as their number one priority. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, I believe 48, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Oh, 663, excuse me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. That's a paraphrase of it. But uh, the truth is it's uh, seek first God. God has to be first. Why? Because he is first. God doesn't want to have you seek him first or recognize him as first because of some ego trip. God just wants you to recognize the reality of the universe. The reality of the universe is God is, and there's none beside him. That He made everything. He designed everything. He engineered everything. He programmed everything. Uh, everything that exists, microbiology to macrobiology, is because God made it, and it's part of who he is. Now, it is not God, but it is a reflection of who he is. And so creation, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. You can look at the creation of stars and see the immensity of God. You can look at a, a bug and see the intricacy of his design. You can look at microbiology and see how small he can make something that works. It's amazing to me, always amazing to me, how an ant knows what to do, where to do it, and how to do it. 
and even things much, much smaller than ants have a complex program in them. We haven't even brushed the surface on what God has made scientifically. We can't, we can't even make a robot to stand up on his own and have cognitiveness. And yet God makes these squirrels I have at my house reproduce, heal themselves, find food, store it, have babies, take care of them and reproduce and go on like that for now some 6,000 years. Even though they're eaten and hunted and sometimes I think it's been said that half the squirrels starve to death. And yet they continue to survive because God's programmed them with a program that works and is cognitive and changes and adapts. We haven't come close to that. Our God is a great God. Past anything, finding out, I mean, it's just so. 69 years old, the longer I've meditated on this and the longer I've rolled this over in my mind, the more I extol God as, as great. God is great, and God is vast, and He's tremendous, and much more than I know. So a person recently asked me, Preacher, what is meditation? I, I just don't understand what it is. And I hate to say this, but an old boy called Willie Nelson uh, years ago, I don't know if he wrote this song or not, but he sang it and made it well known. Anywhere you went, you heard it at every grocery store. And it starts out, he says, you were always on my mind. He tells his uh a girl or a wife, I believe it was, that, you know, I didn't love you the way I should have, and I didn't pay attention to you the way I should have, and I didn't say it as often as I should have, but I, you were always on my mind. Now, I hate to use that secular definition, but it helps a lot of people to put a handle on what meditation is. Meditation is when God's always on your mind. When the Word of God and the things of God and the knowledge of God it's just always on your mind. Oh, you work. Yeah, sure you do. You you ladies cook and you sew and you you work around the house and have your children and play with them and educate them and, and maybe work outside the house somewhere. You men work a job as a plumber, electrician, executive. You put your hand to the plow and pay attention to what you're doing, businessmen. But really, in all of that, God is on your mind. If, you're where you, if you are where you should be, God will be on your mind. I mean, you, you'll, you'll stop for a second and say, thank you, Jesus. The other, I, I was just walking around my house here this morning, and I have a bougainvillea that's of an exceptional uh, variegated uh, color between purple all the way to pink, and variegated from those colors. And it's just delicate. It's gorgeous to look on. It just, it's eye candy, as they say. And here I am, I walk around the corner there and I stop for a second and I look at that variegated, magnificent bougainvillea. And I say, God, you're great. God, you're good. Man, God, you're a good designer. Thank you for letting me, my eyes look upon this and enjoy this moment of beauty, an absolute beauty. And like, I like what Jesus said, Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these lilies, one of these flowers that, I, that, that just come up, die, and go down the road and nobody notices. And yet I notice. The older I've gotten, the more I've noticed flowers and the beauty of the way God engineers them and the, the different design they have. And I mean, it just blows your mind to look at some of these uh, uh, flowers that my wife and I have 
growing now through the years, uh, gardenias and the smell of a gardenia and the, just to look at some of these things and blow your mind. It just it's God's everywhere, folks. He's on, and literally, he's always on your mind. Should always be on your mind. Should be, you know, where it says uh, pray without ceasing. People say, "What is that?" That's just God on your mind all the time. I'm in prayer, or in a moment of prayer, in a state of prayer, really, twenty four seven. I mean, I'm not. I don't have to formally introduce myself to enter into the throne of grace. I mean, I do. I do that. But I don't have to. Man, he's right here. He's in me, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for me with groanings, which cannot be uttered, it says in Romans chapter 8. And so I'm able just to communicate. There's not a lot of distance between me and God. There's not a lot of distance between you and God. He's in you. He's listening. The Bible said, The righteous cry, the Lord heareth, deliver them out of all their troubles. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, the Lord delivereth them out of them all. On and on and on the Bible goes. Obviously, the more you memorize Scripture, uh, and that's a form of meditation, form of rolling it over. The more you have meditated, the more you memorize Scripture, the more it's on the tip of your tongue, the more it's in your mind. You're, you have the washing of water by the Word, as it says, and you, you, you fill your mind with the good things of God. By the way, Philippians 4.8. Uh, there's eight things there the Bible commands us. Think on these things. Quit filling your mind with uh, the fiction of this world and the movies and the violence and the sensualness of this world. God forbid you're looking at that stuff. But if you're filling your mind with that stuff, no wonder God's not on your mind. What happens is those things fill the place of God. It's a form of idolatry, putting those things where God ought to be. And I mean, I'm not saying you never watch a movie or you never watch a TV show or you never look at a video, but I'm saying people are obsessing on those things and putting those things way ahead of God's meditation and spending so much more time on them than they do the things of God. And then they wonder why in the world do they have trouble with their Christian life and with their mind? It's because they have placed those things over God in their mind. Let God be always on your mind. Some wisdom for your walk.